Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> Hello there. So wonderful to see you've returned to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and it is that wondrous time of the year, the holiday season. We just finished Christmas and heading towards the end of 2022, which makes for an interesting episode today on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's take a look back at the horror, fantasy, and science fiction of the year of our Lord, 2022 with our Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop, A Curious Year in Review 2022. So 2022 was really kind of a big year in horror, fantasy, and science fiction. It was a, a big year for Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop in, in maybe good and not so good ways. We'll, we'll talk about that coming up. But uh, I, I was really excited to look back at all of the things we got to experience in 2022. Now, mainly I'm going to be talking about movies and TV series, but because uh, I really didn't get to read as many books this year or check out any as many graphic novels or check out as much uh, new music that kind of lent itself. I mean, we had a couple uh, big things that came out in, in the world of metal uh, that kind of lent itself to the horror, fantasy, and sci-fi genres. Of course, uh, the uh, Studio 666 uh, soundtrack being one of those. Megadeth came out with a new album. So, so there are some things to talk about in the world of music, but we're primarily going to focus just because uh, I, I didn't really get to talk as much as much about books and comics and and music as I as I would have liked to and this is you know this is only our second year doing this podcast so that's one of the things I'm looking forward to in the new year is to be able to, to focus a little more on some of those things that uh, that we don't uh, really talk about as much as I'd like to but We'll, we'll get to all that as we get into what to look forward to in the future of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. But 2022 had a, a glut of great movies and TV series, some very divisive, uh, some very much splitting the fans down the middle. Uh, I know you get a lot of fans that are tired of this and tired of that, some fans that just love everything. I feel like I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I'm the the kid that's parents are going through a divorce, and I feel like I'm being pulled both ways. And and I want to like what I like, and I, I don't want people telling me uh, whether I should or shouldn't like something. That's why I try not to tell you to like or not like something. I give you my thoughts and my opinions on it, but I really want you to experience these movies and and TV shows and, and books and music and and graphic novels all for yourself, and and you decide whether you like it or not. Don't just go by my opinion. Uh, hopefully my opinion kind of gets you interested, piques your curiosity, whether it's a glowing review and you think, oh, I got to check that out, or or it's a you know not so glowing review and you think, well, you know what, I'm going to find out for myself. That's kind of what I hope this show does uh, for you. So we're going to take a look back at 2022 and all of the great and, and not so great things that we got to experience. And 2022 was a, a year of great expectations. We got, as Star Wars fans, we got what we've always wanted. And sometimes, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. But we got a glut 
of Star Wars properties, especially with the Disney Plus streaming service out there. We got a glut of Star Wars-based TV series, and they were somewhere so much anticipated. Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and or maybe not as anticipated, but it was kind of the, we didn't get the hero we wanted, but we got the hero we needed sort of situation. But uh, I I liked all three of these for various reasons. Uh, now, there were some, like Book of Boba Fett, uh, it, it could have picked up the pace, but I really did like the backstory of what happened to Boba Fett after the Starlack Pit. I, I enjoyed that. That connected some dots and filled in some some missing plot points as to to how he survived this. And it, it was very interesting to me as a Boba Fett fan and a Star Wars fan. Obi-Wan Kenobi, again, there, there again, it was interesting to see where Obi-Wan went after he went into seclusion. And yeah, there again, it may not have been exciting but i i it was interesting to me to see that and or on the other hand was a great look into the everyday life of the star wars universe and uh, we got to see people just living their lives but we also got to see the birth of a rebellion and while the show wasn't exactly high excitement all the time it was very interesting as well so i thought some solid work uh, some missteps. Hopefully Disney and, and Lucasfilms learn from their mistakes with these three, but I enjoyed all of them. And as a Star Wars fan, as a kid growing up, all we had was Star Wars before it was even called A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. And then you got the, uh, I always called it the Ewok movie. But apparently they gave it a name after the fact, Caravan of Courage or some nonsense. And then Battle for Endor, uh, those those TV movies, which uh, you know, we won't get into my thoughts on those. But, but that's all you had. And then you had the droids cartoon that came out in the late 80s. You didn't have much until the, the prequels. So to have all of this Star Wars content is like a kid that grew up in the, the late 70s and 80s. It's a kid from that era's wet dream. And, you know, a lot of people are bitching and moaning about all the Star Wars stuff and what Lucasfilm is doing. And I don't always agree with some of their choices. I don't always agree with how they do things. But goddamn, uh, we're getting Star Wars TV series, which is pretty freaking cool in my book. Another big thing we were really looking forward to this year is uh, so many reboots. Uh, soft reboots, but reboots all the same. You had some of my favorites this year. I really did like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix, the, the reboot they did of that. Well, it kind of pulled the David Gordon Green Halloween thing and made this a direct sequel to the, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and kind of disregarded the other films. It didn't like overtly disregard them, but I did enjoy this. I, I thought it was a uh, not terribly scary, but a beautifully shot film uh, at, at the very least. And it was an interesting story. Uh, I didn't mind. You know, a lot of people bitched and complained about that, but I think a lot of people these days consider the sem themselves professional bitchers and moaners. Another one of the reboots they did was Prey on Hulu. Now, that was a freaking good movie. I really enjoyed that. I loved how they kind of took it back and, and made this almost like a prequel to the Predator films that came before it. And I loved how you had the the primitive Native American culture taking on this, this Predator and... Uh, it was it was such a fun ride and so enjoyable and 
I'm really, you know, whether uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if they don't do another one, I won't be upset. If they don't do another Prey movie, I'll be upset because I really like this. I want to see where the story goes from here. Do we jump forward in time and see another primitive culture, but maybe a little more advanced taking on the Predator? Or do we do we see what happens from the, the mid-credit cave art scene where the, the Predator ships come to Naru's village at, there's a lot of excitement about this series now and a lot of excitement that the Predator franchise hadn't had in a long time. So really excited about that. Hellraiser on Hulu was another one of the reboots this year that I found really interesting because this uh, was not so much a prequel or a soft sequel. This was a reimagining of the original Hellraiser. Now, this one I didn't like as much as Prey just because I am a traditionalist. I love the Clyde Barker Hellraiser movie, the, the first one, and the second one was okay, but uh, and then from there on it got a little dicey, but I, I love that original movie. I love Pinhead. He's so iconic, and they changed a lot of that, but as I saw this kind of described, this is more of a uh, Hellraiser in a different universe. It's not a sequel. It has no connection to the original Hellraiser. So I, in that regard, I'm okay. I mean, we've already seen Pinhead uh, go through the years. Doug Bradley, we've seen him as Pinhead for, for decades now. And, and I get it, you know, the, the guy's not getting any younger. And I, I don't know as if he really wanted to pass the torch and, and pass the mantle, but I, I think that the the franchise is in good hands because I liked where they went with this. I liked the reimagining of the Cenobites. Uh, now, there again, uh, I think the original Cenobites, the way they were described in the, the original novella and the way Clive Barker portrayed them in the original Hellraiser exactly the way he imagined it, I imagine, that is a Cenobite to me. But I thought this this new version was, was quite interesting and quite disturbing. And that's what really made me like this new Hellraiser uh, quite a bit. The story, on the other hand, had some missteps and some some pitfalls, and some of the acting wasn't that great. Uh, I didn't like that, but I like where they're going. Hopefully, they learn from some of the mistakes they made storytelling and bring this franchise back to the glory. It, it, it started out with the first couple Hellraisers. Another thing everyone was really looking forward to in 2022 was Stranger Things Season 4, which they did in two parts on Netflix. Uh, or Stranger Things, or as I like to call Season 4, the Eddie Munson show. Uh, Eddie Munson was the breakout star of Stranger Things Season 4. Of course, played by Joe Quinn, who I thought did a, a fantastic job with this character. and He became such a fan favorite that the fact that he died at the end of it, you know, people just can't accept when their favorite characters die. Uh, I was upset that more of the main cast didn't die in this season to really amp up the stakes. Maybe not the, the original core cast, the four boys and the two siblings, but uh, I, I thought some of the, the B cast members, the the girl that was listening to the Kate Bush song all the time. I really thought she should have died. Uh, I really thought somebody else should have died. But, uh, and then the uh, creators, the, the Duffer brothers were like, well, this isn't Game of Thrones. Well, yeah, no, I know it's not Game of Thrones. Uh, it's not, we're expecting, you know, people's heads to be chopped off every five minutes. But there again, it's good storytelling to, to raise the stakes. And when 
none of your heroes are subject to to any real threat of death, then th- there are no stakes. You know they're going to win, and because the bad guy is not going to kill any of them. Uh, you know, I, I I just thought that that was maybe a little bit of a misstep. But goddamn, it was such a fun season, and you know those those Argyle and the Eddie Munson character, and even the Chrissy character. I thought what short time she was on there, uh, she did a, the actress did a really powerful job with making you care about this character and a relationship or budding relationship with Eddie Munson maybe but uh, but yeah you've got a lot of fans hoping Eddie's not dead and wanting him to come back I, I hope not and then that just takes any power away from your your main villain but but I really did love Joe Quinn as Eddie Munson and that guitar scene that master of puppets scene on top of the trailer is going to go down as one of the iconic scenes in streaming television any history movie history I, I don't care what you got uh, that's going to go down it's one of the greats and another thing we really looked forward to in 2022 was fantasy prequel mania of course we had a couple big prequels on some streaming services house of the dragon a prequel to game of thrones on hbo max and you had the lord of the rings the rings of power uh prequel on amazon prime and both really very divisive amongst the fans and you know you can go back and listen to my thoughts on those i enjoyed them well enough i thought House of the Dragon was boring up until the end, and then the end really redeemed a a quite boring season. Uh, I thought Rings of Power was more exciting and more adventure, more fantasy, but it really lacked a lot of the heart uh, of Tolkien's original works. Now, I know this isn't based on any work in particular, uh, but uh, a lot of the characters, I know people were bitching about those. I didn't mind the casting of these characters. I just hated feeling like they made decisions for this show based solely on showing everybody how woke they are. There again, I enjoyed the season. Uh, I'm excited to see where both of these two uh, fantasy prequels are going to go. I think in... in Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, you've got more source material to deal with. And whether they'll stick with the source material, they were fairly faithful. I mean, they changed some things, but things happen. Maybe not exactly how they did in the book Fire and Blood, but but they did happen uh, quite quite like the the stories in in that book. Uh, on the other hand, you've got Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which is not based on any book in particular, just the appendices and and some other loose tales of Tolkien's and. And, and they really play kind of fast and loose with a lot of that. But ultimately, I do like seeing like the creation of Mordor and that sort of stuff is, is kind of interesting. The Isildur and Elendil storyline is quite interesting. The Elrond and Durin story are, are quite interesting. Uh, finding out who Sauron was was all quite interesting. Uh, well, like I said, it didn't play out how it was in the appendices and, and some of the source material. I, I still enjoyed it well enough and i enjoyed it well enough as a lord of the rings uh, middle earth story that i'm okay with it and i'm looking forward to season two so those were some of the big things we were looking forward to in 2022 but those weren't the only things i mean there were a lot of big movies out there so we're going to run down uh, some of my favorite movies uh the my personal best movies of 2022 and the worst movies of 2022 and uh, I, i gotta start off with actually a pair of movies a pair of ty west movies 
X and Pearl, I thought were two fantastic movies. And I'm really excited to see where they're going with the third movie in this. Uh, because X was really kind of an old school, uh, dirty 70s kind of slasher movie. It, it felt very much in the vein of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, but then Pearl was a slick and polished and very vibrant. It felt like that golden era of Hollywood. And Mia Goth just does a fantastic job in all of her roles in this. And, and I really like what Ty West is doing this with this. I'm, I'm excited to see what we would get with this third film that should be coming out out next year uh, so that was those two were, were a couple of my favorites and the fact that they put them out uh, all in the same calendar year was was quite a feat as well uh, another movie i was looking forward to for quite some time and did not disappoint was jordan peele's nope i just found this movie fantastic it kind of blurred those lines between horror and science fiction which you get that with alien movies you can make it science fiction but you can also add elements of horror and jordan peele uh, did that masterfully he gave you characters that you cared about uh situations that you cared about and then he painted a picture on the screen of of sheer terror and i i really loved nope another movie i really loved was the black phone from director Scott Derrickson, based on a story, a short story from Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. And Ethan Hawke in this was just brilliant. Uh, that's why I, I love seeing anything Ethan Hawke is in, because he just puts so much into his characters, whether it's a good guy, whether it's a bad guy, whether it's this this character just was so maniacal. And, so, and the fact that Ethan Hawke did all his uh, acting and emoting through through a mask it just made this fantastic uh, mason thames the young kid in this and and madeline mcgraw uh, two young actors that i'm really excited to see more from but uh, this black phone uh, I, I know a lot of people didn't dig it and it was uh, a little different uh quite different from the the source material in that it expanded the story and you got to see some more backstory you got to see some things uh kind of expanded upon whereas in the short story the kid only really talks to to one ghost on the phone where this you get uh, a representation of all of ethan hawk's characters victims t helping him to to get through this and it was just a, a fascinating story and and well done it was quite uh, not not scary in the typical horror sense but that claustrophobic feel, uh, that feeling of being trapped, uh, that feeling of isolation, and it's only you and this maniac, that that brought some chills down the spine. Smile, on the other hand, was a quite scary movie. I know a lot of people didn't dig it because it was a little bit of a slower burn, but I enjoyed it. Director Parker Finn was fantastic as, as far as you know putting together this story uh, with Sosie Bacon starring in it, and she did a fantastic job. It was maniacal. It, was, it had some jump scares that were quite predictable, but it was more the atmosphere that was created that really kind of made this a creepy eerie horror film and that ending oh f scott fitzgerald was that good a film that some people might not like that i have this on my favorite films of 2022 because uh they consider it more of a thriller or a dark comedy but to me this was a horror movie mark mylod's uh the menu starring ray fines and anya taylor joy was fantastic because it, it did mix all those things 
It was dark comedy. It was social commentary. And it was thriller. But at the heart of it, it was horror. When when you have somebody uh, manipulating a scene in, in which nobody is going to survive, or at least nobody's supposed to survive, that's horror right there. Uh, this is just Saw without the gore without somebody taking an arm off or a leg off or, or what have you. And it was a delight to watch. And it's one of those movies I can't wait till it streams uh, so I can watch it again because I really enjoyed it. A couple of my favorites of 2022 were imports this year. Now, this first one, uh, technically it did come out in 2021. It made the festival circuits in 2021, but it didn't get a U.S. release here until 2022. It's Esco Votes The Innocence, starring a great cast of of young kids and i just love this film i just got to re-watch it here the other night of course there's a lot of great films that are coming out of norway as it goes with horror movies and in the scandinavian countries and i i love this i love the story i love the slow atmosphere of it i loved the it, it almost had that transgressive feel of these kids having to deal with things battling each other uh, and the adults just don't know anything about it and kids doing horrible things to kids it's just it's it's so disturbing in many ways and horrific in many ways without being a monster under the bed horror movie and ellen dort peterson who plays the young girl lead ida she plays her mom and the the young girl that plays ida raquel lenore flautum i'm probably butchering that last name but uh, they're actually mother and daughter in real life so that really kind of played into the whole mother-daughter dynamic between these two characters which was really good in this movie so the innocence one of my favorite imports another one of my favorite imports was hatching from director hannah bergholm i probably butchered their names when i did my original uh review of this but the the mother and daughter duo in this just did a fantastic job the the mother and the young girl that plays tina great kind of b cast as well but uh, but these two are the main players and just a fantastic story a lot of great creature design a lot of great body horror in this it again is a little bit of a slower burn uh, but i like that i like that from a lot of these films uh, you know from these scandinavian filmmakers uh, they they do kind of play into slower burn films but when they go into horror they go into it you know feet first and and i've really enjoyed hatching a couple of the stream favorites i had uh, as far as best movies that came out this year uh prey is definitely one of those we talked about that directed by dan trackenberg starring amber mid thunder i loved how they really leaned into the the original predator with the if it bleeds we can kill it line i love the closing credits where they did the comanche rock art drawings depicting the whole events of the film and then the the predator ship coming to naru's village uh, just it was such a fantastic movie and it really really leaned into, again, uh, one of those great films that leans into science fiction and horror and did a fantastic job with that. Another one I really liked was VHS 99. Now, much like the VHS and the VHS 2 films, this was rushed into production after the success of VHS 94. And I, I really didn't care for VHS 94. It had a couple good stories, but I hated the through line. Uh, the other stories were a couple other stories were just kind of so-so. There were a couple good ones. Uh, the ones with the doctor and the body horror, putting mechanical 
electrical parts. I can't remember the name of that one. That was good, but uh, it, it was a success, which is probably a good thing, whether I didn't like it or not, uh, because we got VHS 99. I really like this uh, shredding directed by Maggie Levin, uh, Suicide Bid by Johannes Roberts, Ozzy's Dungeon, which I loved by Flying Lotus, uh, The Gawkers, Tyler McIntyre directed that to Helen Back, uh, another favorite of mine by Vanessa and Joseph Winter. Uh, just a, a fantastic anthology story that we got in, in 2022. Now, those were some of my favorite films uh, from 2022. Some of my least favorite films, I, I just absolutely hated Morbius. It is why Sony really needs to let Marvel have its toys back. As much as I liked some of it, I liked Jared Leto as the Morbius character. Matt Smith was fantastic. He was probably the bright spot of this movie as as the lead antagonist, but I just didn't really care for Daniel Espinosa's uh, Morbius. And maybe not so much of the direction, but it was definitely the writing. I can't remember if he had any part in the writing of this, but it just wasn't a very engaging story. And like some of the funniest things, uh, some of the best lines and, and events of the movie movie uh were in the trailer and they cut all those from the movie it was just horrible another horrible movie i just could not stand was firestarter from director keith thomas uh and writer scott teams i can't even blame the director i do blame the writer because the story was an abomination to stephen king's source material I liked the cast. Zac Efron was great as the dad. Uh, Ryan Kira Armstrong was great as Charlie. I loved the John Carpenter score. It had very much that Halloween 78 vibe to it. But I just did not like this story at all because, like I said, it just did not have the heart or the spirit of Stephen King's original work, and it just bastardized a, a really good story. Another movie I couldn't stand was Grim Cuddy that came out on Hulu from director John Ross, starring, eh, who cares? It was just kind of a ripoff of the whole Momo internet challenge craze. It was so full of lines that felt like little tweets on Twitter, like little 144 character blurbs and it had this lame theme of trying to get parents and and their gen z kids to understand each other and it was just it was bad it was just a bad movie and it only had two really scary moments uh, one was at the beginning, and I can't even remember where the other one was, so it obviously wasn't that memorable. Another one of my least favorite films of 2022 was The Cellar, directed by Brendan Muldowney, and I, I wanted to like this more than I did, and I felt really bad because when I posted this, my review on this, back when it came out, and I originally posted on my previous platform, I had a huge uptick in plays from Ireland. <laughs> so the Irish people, uh, and this is an Irish-made film, but the Irish people were were counting on me, it felt like. And I feel like I let them down because I hated this movie. It, it was a good idea. It had all the elements it needed. It's just the star, uh, Alicia Cuthbert, is just fucking horrible. There's just no emotion in anything she said. And the director just got no emotion out of 
half of the actors. And there were some actors I really liked in this, but they just didn't elicit any emotion out of any of these characters. A girl is missing and Alicia Cuthbert kind of feels like she just misplaced her car keys. It's that kind of emotion. Uh, so I, I, I wanted to like this. Like I said, I think it's a good idea. It was a good start for a movie. It just needed a couple more rewrites and uh, a little better casting uh, on especially this lead lead character. Now, one movie that I really just couldn't stand in 2022 was uh, a movie I never really got a chance to uh, do a review on because I just didn't want to... I, I just am not about like ultra violence. And to me, that's not scary. That is just blood and gore and violence for blood and gore and violence sake. Uh, so I, I didn't watch this for a long time. And then I finally decided, okay, maybe I'll do a random curiosity on this, which I never even really did because I just didn't like the movie. Uh, but The Sadness, which is out on Shudder, I believe it's still on Shudder. And like The Innocence, this technically came out in 2021. It started making the uh, film festival circuit in, in 2021, but it didn't get an American release uh, on Shudder until I believe like May of 2022. So it's still a 2022 movie in my book. But it's from director-writer Rob Jabaz. Uh, he's a Canadian director. It's this movie about the city that is ravaged by a plague that turns people into bloodthirsty, violent, hypersexualized fiends. And to me, it felt very much like a ripoff of another Canadian director, David Cronenberg. It felt like a ripoff of Shivers, where people were infected by a strain of parasites that turns them into mindless, sex-crazed fiends, and Rabid, which we see Marilyn Chambers develops a taste for human blood after an experimental plastic surgery, and her victims turn into bloodthirsty zombies, leading to an epidemic. And that's really what was at the heart of the sadness. People got infected, and they turned turned into ultra-violent, hyper-sexualized, zombie-like. They weren't zombies. They weren't dead. But it felt like a zombie movie just with violence and sex running around like fast zombies. And it's, I, I didn't care for it. I liked the two main characters. I liked the story about them trying to find each other. But, you know, you, you saw really quickly that one was going to get infected. And by the end, they would come together and you'd have that tragedy. It was all quite... Uh, predictable and like I said it was just sexuality and violence and blood and gore and you know shock horror for violence's sake and blatantly ripped off David Cronenberg so those were my favorite my best and and worst of 2022 when it came to movies now moving on to TV I, I mean we had a lot of really good stuff in TV this year uh, thanks to streaming streaming really is the hero for anything horror fantasy and science fiction because everything that is horror fantasy and science fiction on network television is all watered down procedural bullshit uh, for the most part it's you know the adventure of the week which i like that back in the 80s i liked me some auto man and manimal but in 2022 uh, you gotta you gotta step it up i mean when you've got so much great content that is no holds barred on some of these streaming services uh, and, and it doesn't even necessarily have to have a bunch of sex and swearing in it, but you've got great shows like, for me, one of the best shows of the year 
was The Sandman, starring Tom Sturridge as Morpheus, uh, Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian, Vivia Achempong as Lucian, Patton Oswald as Matthew the Raven. Uh, one of the standouts that I really love is Kirby Howell Baptiste as Death. I, I've been looking for her, and uh, you find her from time to time in various things, but I'm always looking for her to be in something because I really I want to see her in more things. But based on the Neil Gaiman uh, comics, it was just fantastic. And there again, uh, a lot of people bitched about it because there was some race swapping and some gender swapping, but, but really this story and the visualization that we got was very much, you know, it, it had the heart of Neil Gaiman's comics in it. And you got to see, for the most part, Neil Gaiman's comics come to life. And I love that Dave McKeon, who created the original cover art for the comic series, came back to do the the credit sequences for the series. So, so that was kind of cool. Another one of my favorite streaming or, or TV series, uh, this one actually was a TV special that came out in October, Werewolf by Night, from Marvel and Disney Plus, directed by Michael Giacchino, starring Gail Garcia Barnell as the, the lead, Laura Donnelly's in this, uh, Harriet Sanson Harris is in it as well. Uh, I love the special presentation, it was the parody of the old CBS special presentation back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, I loved everything about this. Uh, I love how they kind of went for a more horror thing. That's what was in black and white, so it kind of toned down all the blood, but they did make this a horror special, and I, I loved that about this. It's interesting to see how, I mean, Werewolf by Night, they've been trying to do a film adaptation of this since like 2001, so it was finally cool to see this this character brought to life in this special, and I look forward to seeing this character and, and Ted in, in future uh, Marvel iterations. Another one of my favorite TV series of 2022 is one that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. It's Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. I love a good anthology and I love Guillermo del Toro's work. His work just lends to horror and fantasy and even science fiction on some levels. But uh, this was fantastic. Of course, uh, a lot of great directors, Guillermo Navarro directing Lot 36, Vincenzo Natale, The Graveyard Rats, uh, Autopsy by David Pryor, uh, one of my favorites of this series, The Outside by Anna Lily Amapur, another one of my favorites, Pickman's Model, Keith Thomas, uh, those, those three right there, three of my favorite stories in this. Uh, as well as one other, but Dream in the Witch House by Catherine Hardwick, The Viewing by Panos Cosmatos, and uh, one of my favorites, uh, Jennifer Kent's The Murmuring. Uh, I just loved, uh, I love it. All of them are really good. The Viewing was kind of weird, but, but all of them were really good though. But I did have my favorites, and I loved how Pickman's Model and Dreams in the Witch House were based on H.P. Lovecraft stories, so that's always a, uh, cool to, to see some Lovecraft horror come to the, the small screen. But uh, uh, check that out on Netflix. One of my favorite shows of the year. Another one of my favorite shows of the year. Uh, one I didn't even really know was going to be a favorite is 1899, created by Yancha Fries and Baran Boodar. Uh, they are the creators of the series Dark on Netflix. If you haven't watched that, check it out. But this kind of is very much like Dark in that it is science fiction and it deals with a lot of really mind-bending things. Now, 1899 is not as mind-bending as Dark, but it is still just as enjoyable. I love how each episode begins with a flashback story of a, a main character like Lost did. Each episode ends with a classic rock song, which I'm a, I'm a rock and roll guy. Uh, the show's triangle symbolism, that's a symbol often used in alchemy. It's seen throughout the show in the art design and, and very 
various places. It's nice to see those little triangle or pyramid Easter eggs throughout. Uh, ben Foster's score uses kind of a tape warbling effect, uh, which kind of lends itself to the fact that uh, reality may not be what you think it is. A lot of vocalizations that just add an odd mystique to, to various scenes and the, the show as a whole. Just a fantastic show. And the cast is great. A multinational cast. It really is a fantastic work that I can't wait to see. Uh, hopefully they get a season two with $18.99 because I'm looking forward to that. Now, a couple of the worst shows, at least uh, for my money, uh, worst shows in, in TV in 2022 have to go with Resident Evil. Uh, and and it's sad because the one star of this, Lance Reddick, plays Albert Wesker. Uh, I really like Lance Reddick. He's a great actor, and he did a great job. He was the only thing that made this worth watching, uh, is just to see him acting. But the show was canceled about a month after it premiered due to negative fan and critical reaction, and I don't blame him. The, the show was just abysmal to watch, and... I just didn't. You know, while they tried to put in some some Easter eggs and some things that were from the video games, zombies that were from the video games, it just lacked. Even the the dreadful Resident Evil movies that we've gotten over the years and the remakes uh, were better than this. I just didn't like it. Another thing I didn't like, and I know I'm probably going to get some flack for it, but American Horror Story NYC. I've loved every season of American Horror Story for one reason or another over the years. I loved the anthology American Horror Stories, which I'm surprised that didn't it didn't make the worst uh, in TV this year because it did have some saving graces, but there were a couple episodes in American Horror Stories that could be on a worst list. But the only thing that was good about American Horror Story NYC was the cast. You had Russell Tovey, Joe Mantello, Zachary Quinto, just a few of the the great cast. I mean, this really was a fantastic cast. The problem with American Horror Story NYC is that it just wasn't scary. And there was too much bad symbolism and one-note characters. If this were a docudrama about the start of the AIDS epidemic, then if you're looking at it as that, it's it's really good. If you take out some of the, the weird, whacked-out uh, symbolic scenes and things like that. But as a horror story, that just didn't work. Uh, where the real horror is this AIDS epidemic that, uh, you know, I, I can get real horror every day on the news. And the, the two things that are, are supposed to be the elements of horror, uh, the one guy was uh, looked like a ripoff of Lord Mungus from Road Warrior, and the other guy was a Dexter villain reject. The actor who played that character was was fantastic as the character, but you know I've seen I've seen this bad guy on every season of Dexter, and it just this season of American Horror Story, while it it had you know the the cast couldn't save it from not being a scary horror story. So that's a look at my best and worst TV and movies of the year. Now we're gonna kind of break it down into the best of each genre. And I think with with my best of the year, you got a lot of who I thought was the best horror movies and TV series of the year. You know, Black Phone, Nope, X and Pearl, Smile, The Menu. I mean, you got all of that 
the innocence uh, you got all my horror so we're gonna we're gonna forego that because i've already really talked about a lot of those movies but a lot of these movies in best of sci-fi and fantasy maybe not what i thought was the best of the year but i thought they were really good as well and the best in sci-fi i thought moonfall it didn't get much critical or fan acclaim but it was a fun sci-fi space adventure and you got some of the good old-fashioned moon conspiracy theories john bradley samuel tarley from game of thrones was was absolutely charming and a standout on this I thought it was a solid cast. Uh, I, I really liked Moonfall. It was good science fiction. Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, it was a great nostalgia trip for Marvel, uh, dipping their toes into the multiverse waters, which were submerged in it right now. But it was great to see Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield all on the screen together as Spider-Man, which that was kind of cool. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was really good because I liked... It was Sam Raimi, and it, it felt like Evil Dead meets... Uh, a superhero flick. So I, I like seeing Sam Raimi back doing his thing, uh, back doing superhero movies, and giving it that touch of Evil Dead goodness that, that we all needed. Uh, another movie I really liked that was good uh, in the sci-fi genre was The Atom Project. It had time travelers, lightsabers, uh, you no, know, it's not a lightsaber, I know. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. It was good sci-fi fun that the whole family could enjoy. And I say enjoy because if you're not playing the obnoxious twat bitching about how time travel would actually work, you're going to enjoy it. If you're going to be that obnoxious twat, then you're not going to enjoy this. And Walker Scoble, who is actually a resident of uh, Northeast, uh, somewhere up around Erie, which is a little north of where I'm at here in Pennsylvania. Uh, fantastic. Brilliant as a young Ryan Reynolds. Some of my favorite sci-fi TV series of this year, uh, Outer Range, Night Sky, and Archive 81. I really liked all of them. Uh, three brilliant streaming shows that were steeped in science fiction, covering time travel, uh, our place in the universe, those sort of themes. Uh, unfortunately, only one of them hasn't been canceled, and that's Outer Range. But still no word yet on a second season of that. But Night Sky, starring Sissy Spacek and J.K. Simmons, was, was fantastic. It, it lacked in excitement but it really captured you with a what the hell's going on sort of feel archive 81 was another one where i really liked the cast and it kind of had that wtf uh, cliffhanger ending that we're never going to get to see resolved because netflix just doesn't have the patience to let shows like that build audiences and that's a real shame but uh, i loved all three of these night sky and archive 81 are worth a watch if you like science fiction tv and outer range of course hopefully we'll see a second season of that another one of my favorite sci-fi films of 2022 is another one where i didn't get to do a review on this when it first came out because it came out and it was not playing on any theater near me in western pennsylvania or eastern ohio that i could find close enough for me to go to but Crimes of the Future, when I finally got to see it on streaming, uh, I really loved this. Now, it's no relation to David Cronenberg's uh, 1970 film of the same name, but it plays off this dystopian future of technology and squalor uh, where everyone has evolved past pain and going under the knife. Uh, surgery is the new sex. And this bizarre look at beauty, sex, art, celebrity, and what really makes us human. It's just a fantastic movie. It's a weird what the fuck am I watching 
sort of movie. Don't get me wrong, but uh, but it's got a great cast with Viggo Mortensen starring in it. Body horror galore. This is definitely a David Cronenberg joint. Uh, but yeah, it's weird and bizarre. Again, where the f is this going? Kind of movie, but it's fascinating and captivating. And while there's not a lot of questions answered that are asked by the plot points, uh, it, it's still a uh, a wonder to watch and beautifully filmed. Uh, there are just so many uh, amazing scenes and and it's beautifully shot, which you come to expect from David Cronenberg. He he shoots body horror better than anyone. Now, some of the best fantasy of the year. Of course, I already talked about the Sandman, just visually and emotionally stunning. Uh, the effects, the tone, some of the lines and, and some of the scenes uh, just directly ripped from the comic book. It was just a, a fantastic watch. But another one of my favorite fantasies was Troll. Well, it wasn't perfect. It was a competent addition uh, to the giant monster movies that we love, which I really liked. Again, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and House of the Dragon, while they are divisive, and a lot of people didn't like either one of those, especially Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, I enjoyed, and I thought they were good fantasy uh, for TV. Uh, Stranger Things Season 4, again, uh, another great fantasy you know I, i'm looking forward to a bigger body count in the upcoming season five because that's the final season i hope they pay off this this whole thing by by giving us some stakes but season four just uh was a fantastic season and a lot of great new additions to the cast i talked about the eddie munson character played by joe quinn vecna played by jamie campbell bauer uh dimitri or enzo played by tom velasha uh, just a great addition to the cast and it's set up for a big final season which we're gonna get i don't think it's next year maybe the year after that and damn i can't get that freaking Kate Bush song out of my GD head. Now, some of the best animation of 2022, and there was a lot of really good animation when it comes to horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Mad God has to be at the top of the list. It's a 30-year passion project from the master of stop-motion animation, Phil Tippett. Uh, the plot's crazy as hell, but the visuals are mind-blowing and fascinating. Uh, I loved Mad God's gulag that they did for Shudder this Halloween, which was, was kind of fun. Another one of my favorite animated series love death and robots dazzling animation extraordinary and immersive stories top-notch voice actors it, it combines horror fantasy and science fiction and short animation anthology format uh yeah i'll take that any day of the week and season three this past year was just uh another fantastic entry into this genre anthology and i can't wait for another season a new series that came out in 2022 the legend of vox machina uh, some of the guys in my DD group turned me on to this and what a delight uh the people at critical role uh in top form with fantastic characters story fun adventures all the things that a good D&D group looks for. And I can't wait for season two of The Legend of Vox Machina. Uh, Tales of the Jedi was really good. I like that. It's it's your typical uh, Dave Filoni Star Wars style animation. But it had interesting stories that connected some dots left by the prequel trilogies and Clone Wars. An enlightening watch uh, for any Star Wars fan. So I really liked that as far as animation goes. And Guillermo del Toro back on the list with uh, his Pinocchio was, I think, some great fantasy work. Stunning piece of stop-motion animation with 
an interesting new take on the classic tale and a rich world and rich vocal talent. It was just uh, a real stunning piece to watch and a tearjerker and uh, really not what I was expecting from a Pinocchio story. So there you have it. That's the best of TV and film that uh, that we've talked about over the past year and some of my favorites, some of my least favorites. Uh, 2022 was also a year where we gained... Uh, a, a lot of great shows and movies, but we also lost a lot of great actors. Uh, who we lost in 2022, of course, Kirstie Alley at the age of 71, Lieutenant Savick from Wrath of Khan, Brad Henke, 56, uh, he was in Dexter, The Stand, 2020, Split, uh, Nichelle Nichols, lost her at 89, L Lieutenant Uhura from the original Star Trek, James Khan, 82, uh, Misery, uh, Joe Turkle, 94. He was the bartender Lloyd in The Shining from 1980. Uh, Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters was 50 years old. Of course, starred in Studio 666, which I thought was a, a great fun horror uh, comedy that that I really enjoyed. And the, the, the soundtrack to that's fantastic. Uh, William Hurt at 71. Of course, he was an AI, The Village. He played Thunderbolt Ross in the Marvel movies. Uh, lost him. That was a... a Great loss. Uh, speaking of great losses, director of Ghostbusters, Ivan Reitman, we lost him at 75. Uh, Moses J. Mosley, 31. He was in The Walking Dead and Hunger Games. Robbie Coltrane, uh, loved him as an actor. Harry Potter films, and also one of my favorites from Hell. Uh, Peter Straub, an author of horror, uh, collaborator with Stephen King, lost him at 79. Wilco Johnson, of course, he played Sir Ilan Payne in Game of Thrones. He We lost him at 75. Uh, James Wynn burn uh he was the michael myers stuntman uh he did all the stunts for michael myers in the original halloween he's also been in the fog done stunts for escape from new york jason david frank 49 he was the green and white ranger from the power rangers kevin conroy voice actor of batman at 66 was such a huge loss and a tragic loss of course it was it was nice to see he got to play a live action version of batman in the Crisis on Infinite Earths saga on the, the WAB DC shows. Leslie Phillips, 98, uh, voice of the Sorting Hat from Harry Potter. Uh, Jules Bass, 87 years old, course of Rankin Bass fame. He did The Hobbit, Return of the King, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, all those holiday classics, even that uh, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus my wife and I just watched the other day. A huge impact in the world of fantasy, especially when it comes to, to holiday classics. Uh, Anne at 53. Of course, she was in the Psycho remake. Her only real delving into horror fantasy or science fiction, but uh, but the Psycho remake, uh, she was a part of that legacy. David Warner, 80 years old from The Omen, Time Bandits, Tron, just a, a great legacy of films. Lost him at 80. And of course, Fred Ward from Tremors uh, lost him at 79. So those are uh, just a, a few. I'm, I'm sure I've, I've missed some and I apologize, but uh, some of the horror fantasy and science fiction names that we lost in 2022. So now let's talk about Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop in 2022. It was a, a year of transitions because we went from our previous 
podcast host, which uh, I, I I thought they did a good job, but it just were, were lacking in some certain things. And there was a lot of turmoil with updates that just took forever and problems that the, the host site was having that it just made it to where I it needed to jump. So we jumped to a new podcast platform. Unfortunately, because still having issues with the redirect on the old podcast platform, I don't think a lot of people have been able to make the jump over to the new podcast platform. So it was kind of disappointing because we're really starting to gain traction and get a lot of listens and a lot more listens than the year before. And now we've jumped to this new podcast platform and the numbers are kind of down, which makes it all the more important for you to to share this podcast. If you like what you listen to, and God bless you if you do, (laughs) if you like what you hear, uh, share this with anyone you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Uh, Get the word out because we would like to to continue doing this and uh, to do that we got to have the word out there and got to get people listening. But uh, we had, uh, you know, the numbers dip a little bit, but I, I'm encouraged that the numbers are still uh, taking an uptick. And uh, I'm excited for 2023 because uh, I think we got a lot of good things planned. But uh, right now we're going to break down some of the the top five. Well, yeah, we'll do the top five, sort of top five, uh, most listened to episodes from 2022 here on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Uh, number five was Hellraiser. And I, I really enjoyed talking about this new iteration of Hellraiser. I think there was a lot of buzz about it. And I think people wanted to hear uh, opinions about it. So I was really glad to see that. That was uh, a well-listened-to show. Coming in number four, actually two episodes tied for number four, uh, Archive 81, the ill-fated Archive 81. It's so sad that we're not going to see another season of that. And Who Invited Them, which I thought was was interesting because that was one of those Shudder originals that came out around the Halloween season. And I, it was kind of a horror comedy, but it was a really weird kind of situation. And I didn't think that episode was going to get as many plays as it did, but it did coming in at number four with Archive 81. Uh, number three, uh, another shocker. I didn't think as many. There's a lot of ladies out there that love them some Matthew Good and loved Discovery of Witches. Uh, my thoughts on the final season of Discovery of Witches and the the series breakdown because that was the series finale for that story uh that came in at number three of my most listened to shows of 2022 coming in number two one of the more recent movies we talked about barbarian which i thought was a fantastic excellent cast excellent story had some weirdness had some creepiness had some scares had had its issues but there was a lot of good things going on with that and i really loved this story and like i said the acting was fantastic as well and honestly, as I'm sitting here thinking about this, Barbarian should have been on my list of some of the best and some of my favorites of 2022. I don't know how I forgot about this one. And the number one most listened to episode on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Strangely enough, it is one of our random curiosities, and it is one of our random curiosities I posted after moving to the new podcast hosting platform was the RIP Westworld. Yeah, talking about Westworld world getting their getting the rug yanked out from under them i know the people the creators of westworld thought they had one more season in them i know ed harris talked about their there being story for one more season and doing a finale
finale, but HBO Max uh, pulled the rug out from under everyone and ended it. So the end of season four really is the end of Westworld. And I talked about that and what a tragedy that was. And uh, maybe it struck a chord. I know there a lot of people liked Westworld and it's sad to see uh, how it just kind of ended unceremoniously. And I thought the show deserved better, but that was the number one most listened to episode in 2022 of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And that was kind of a theme of 2022. A lot of series, Westworld had the rug pulled out from um, under them. They were canceled. Archive 81 was canceled. Raised by Wolves, another show canceled by HBO Max. It's just a lot of really good. I mean, there were a lot of shitty shows that got canceled and, and deservedly so uh resident evil but then there were a lot of really good shows that got canceled night sky was another one of them that i really loved and it's it's sad to see good horror fantasy and science fiction shows get canceled like that because the streaming services didn't give them enough time to build the audience they needed because uh, I thought a lot of these shows had legs to go a few at least a few seasons and uh, they were good enough stories to go a few seasons and be engaging and well acted but uh, but a lot of these streaming services they want instant gold they want these squid games which we are going to get a season two of that sometime in the not too distant future kind of excited about that but uh, it was sad to see so many really good streaming series get the rug pulled out from under them and get canceled before their time. But want to thank everyone for for listening to to all those episodes and all the other episodes. We had a lot of uh, a lot of really good turnout and a good listenership for 2022. And like I said, it's a shame we had to move to the new podcast platform, uh, host site, and, and our numbers have kind of dipped, but looking forward to building those back up. And that's the one thing, uh, 2023, I'm looking to build them back up in 2023. And that's the thing I'm looking forward to, a brand new year, 2023. We've got a lot to look forward to. Going to continue talking about the horror, fantasy, and science fiction television series and streaming series and all the movies out there. But really looking forward to doing more i gotta knuckle down and start reading more and more novels more graphic novels and and so i can talk about those and hopefully we'll get some music out there that kind of lends itself to horror fantasy and science fiction we get to talk about those i'm looking forward to being more proactive about getting those represented in horror fantasy and science fiction talk here on the podcast i'm also looking forward to to doing some different things you know we added the random curiosities uh, i'm looking forward forward to doing more with that uh we're starting some new podcast episodes where i talk about my one favorite this uh whether it be um in the horror genre, fantasy genre, science fiction genre. We'll, we'll talk about some old classics. We'll talk about uh, my favorite uh, this, that, or the other thing and, and do some episodes on that. Or I can talk about some of the older movies as well as talking about the new stuff that's coming out. I'm also thinking about dipping my toes into the water of maybe doing some movie commentaries. You know, I, I've watched some some horror movies uh, over the Christmas holiday season. And I thought, oh, this would be fun to do kind of a mystery science theater 3000 type commentary commentary to this and i think you know that might be something i know a lot of other podcasts do the the commentary track as a uh, part of their premium service on on patreon or whatever i'm not at the point where i'm going to be doing anything like that and i'd rather give it to you free i'm not making any money on this and you know if i do in the future that's great but i, I just want to give you all the all the content i can and the best content i can uh and you not have to pay a dime for it 
uh, you know, that's not a knock against anybody else who is doing Patreon because God knows uh, you got to make a buck somehow. And Lord knows I could use a Patreon page, but I'm more concerned about getting people listening to the podcast than I am about making money off of this thing right now. But I'd like to do something like that. Maybe do some some commentary tracks for some classic movies I think would be fun. So that's another thing I'm looking forward to uh, kind of, like I said, dipping my toes into the water coming in in 2023. Hopefully uh, there's not a piranha or some sort of creature waiting for that toe to take a little nibble off of it. So that's my look back at 2022. Again, want to thank everyone who who tuned in and listened to this podcast in, in 2022, in the past couple years that we've been doing this. Uh, I look forward to continuing this and getting better as a podcaster, uh, getting you know the content uh, to where I'm happy with it as far as the diversity of content and giving you different things to enjoy. Uh, you know, God, God love you. If you enjoy listening to me babble on with my stream of consciousness, a diatribe for, for however long a, a podcast episode may last, but uh, you're, you're greatly appreciated more than you will ever know. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in to 2022 and Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And I want to thank everyone in advance for your continued support in 2023. And here's to a, a new year and lots of things to look forward to in horror, fantasy, and science fiction. So thanks again for tuning in and check out Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook. Uh, we're posting trailers, as always, to the latest movies and TV series out there. You can also check us out on Instagram. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please subscribe to it, follow it, like it, all that jazz. Share it with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. That's the most important thing. And please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we do appreciate it. And those reviews help the, the algorithms and get the the word out there you know these algorithms tell the podcast platforms that hey people like listen to this you need to share it with other people and it gets the word out there about our podcast so please leave those reviews and again want to thank you hopefully you have a safe and happy new year and we'll talk to you again in 2023 where our first episode of the year much like 2022 our first episode of the year was a review on witcher season two our first episode of 2023 is going Going to be a review on the Witcher Blood Origins, the prequel to the Witcher series. So uh, we'll talk about that on Monday. So until then, thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.